Hi, so in today's podcast, we will go through the second lecture in neurofundamentals, epilepsy, in the neurofundamentals epilepsy module, rather, which covers the clinical aspects of epilepsy. Um, so to reiterate an important message from the last podcast, not everyone with seizures has epilepsy. And again, let's start with some definitions. So seizures... Um, are an episode of excessive hypersynchronous excitation of neurons. Epilepsy is the ongoing tendency to experience recurrent unprovoked seizures. Right, so let's just quickly talk about the epidemiology of epilepsy. So actually, seizures are actually incredibly common. Um, The incidence is approximately 0.05%. The prevalence is like 0.5%. And the lifetime risk um, of of actually having a seizure is about 5 to 10%. So quite high, quite high. Um, So a lot of people will present to the emergency department with a seizure in their life. Um, And people that have had that first seizure might not go on to have more. So it's only got a, like a 50% recurrence rate after the first seizure. So it's not just a disease of children as well. Um, and although, because that's kind of a stereotype, and although the incidence peaks in the elderly and in children, so you kind of have that, that, U, that U-shaped kind of graph. I don't know if you can picture it. Um, people do get it um, in all different age groups, right? Um, so there are numerous uh, different types of seizures and you can try and class- classify them in different ways like age, location, precipitance, um, severity and clinical manifestations. So there are certain seizure types that only occur in infants. For instance, neonatal seizures or infantile spasms. Um, those other seizures depend on where in the brain the seizure arises. They look very different so a temporal lobe seizure may just present as like a deja vu moment or a weird sensation throughout your body that comes over someone i guess um whilst a frontal lobe seizure which um often involves stiffening and jerking or in the occipital lobe right if you have an occipital lobe seizure in like the visual center of the brain it might involve some sort of visual image as a part of the seizure um and there are a few seizures that are clearly precipitated, right, um, by a trigger. For instance, um, photosensitive epilepsy is a very commonly thought of, but actually not that commonly that common in terms of like actual incidents um, of it occurring, right? So maybe being triggered by I don't know, like an animation that's very like bright red and blue are the pretty common kind of um, triggers, I guess, for photosensitive epilepsy. Um, you have reflex true epilepsy as well, but these are in fact, yeah, as I've said, they're quite uncommon. Um, so patients often use um, the French terms. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, petit mal et, et grand mal. Um, so petit mal meaning like a li- like little hurts and not being too bad, and grand mal meaning like uh, quite bad experience, right? And so that's 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 in terms of severity, right? So that's how you kind of classify it there, especially from a patient's perspective. And that's an, that's an important kind of. Um, it's an important distinction, you know what I mean? It, it actually does change kind of the diagnosis uh, the doctor takes makes. Um, and again, how doctors classify them according to what they look like, right? So a psychomotor seizure is just someone who has a behavioral 
kind of rests and just kind of stares, you know, like kind of a blank seizure. Um, and a pseudomono seizure, uh, pseudomono seizure might be sweating. So there's a, there's a wide variety of different signs a patient can have, right? Um, the most useful uh, classification probably is the international classification of seizures. Seizures. So it's so if the seizure starts in one part of the brain, then it's a focal onset seizure, right? The onset's like in a focal region. Uh, this focal onset seizure could progress into a big convulsion, but at the beginning it's focal, and then there are generalized seizures on the other hand, right? So you focal, and you have your generalized seizures, where from the very beginning. Um, both hemispheres fire and produce a seizure, right? Like it's kind of a, a more generalized um, seizure, right, in the brain. Um, it would come up differently on an MRI or an EEG. Um, there are some subclassifications to be aware of. Um, and they are, so like a focal um, aware seizure where only a small part of the cortex is involved. So um, a patient can remain kind of fully aware. Another is a, a focal unaware seizure. So a conscious, the consciousness is impaired, but patient is not like unconscious. You know what I mean? They, they generally don't even know what's happening. Yeah, uh, they might result to kind of stereotypic behavior. And if the seizure progresses and involves both hemispheres, then a tonic seizure can occur. But in general, the brain is able to contain activity. So it's not every... Not every seizure will progress. In fact, most don't. Um, so the other um, big kind of subcategories underneath, you know, your, your generalized seizures include absence seizures where uh, commonly in, in like children um, where you kind of just like stare, you know what I mean? You kind of, but that, that, that is generalized. Um, you just don't lose consciousness. consciousness. Another is a tonic-clonic seizure. Um, it's just like definition of a grand mal, you know what I mean? It's like a tonic uh, so seizure most people think this is what, kind of what epilepsy is but not everyone has those big seizures those big tonic clonic seizures there is a certain sequence to it so tonic means stiff and clonic means jerkings usually kind of a noise like a shriek like a uh, type of thing is made, <laughs> is made and then the stiffening and then, and then like a subsequent jerking right it's a very kind of classical order and there's also just straight tonic uh general seizures so like kind of stiffening right if you think tonic, you think isotonic, right? You know, like muscle kind of contractions where it's kind of, there's not actually lengthening or shortening of the muscle, it's just kind of contracting, you know what I mean? So everyone can have seizures and there are many causes, right? So drug withdrawals is common. Um, many alcoholics have seizures when when kind of going uh, sober, you know, kind of uh, in, in, in their withdrawal period, right? Uh, benzo withdrawals and benzodiazepine withdrawals commonly involve uh, seizures um, and you can have any kind of like kind of acute metabolic derangement so if you have very low sodium um, you have very low glucose low calcium you know muscle twitches big one that's also the thing but anyway renal failure like hepat or hepatic failure if you have a high blood pressure or I guess low blood pressure as well. Uh, oh, that's more kind of, yeah, no, don't worry. Just high blood pressure. So lots of things that could at least temporarily affect the brain might produce a seizure, but that is not epilepsy, right? Um, when a patient presents with epilepsy, they usually have something uh, chronically wrong with their brain, right? So some kind of scar or lesion. It could be a birth injury, so a difficult birth, a twin birth, or a stroke during birth, hypoxia during birth, right? So not enough oxygen to the brain. Um, focal um, cortical dysplasia are common, so where neurons have not developed properly in one part of the brain, or their migrations have been abnormal, so they have kind of you know they haven't kind of migrated to exactly where they would have 
meant to be in a normal brain. Well, I mean, yeah. Um, and the only um, any neurodegenerative um, disease, um, like Alzheimer's, could cause seizures. Um, tumors, right? Um, vessel malformations. Um, immune issues like uh, limbic encephalitis and commonly in children um, is, 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 so there's a, it's a long list of things right a long list of causes um, beyond this someone who has had an acute head injury would, could have a seizure as a part of their brain injury and never again or they can get a scar from said um, said head injury and you know 10 years later oh, they just had another seizure and it's probably due to that you know that initial kind of uh, head injury or it can, that, that head injury can then lead to you know continuous seizures and that's worst case but it does occur um uh, same with, with with strokes and infections right so an acute injury could lead to recurring seizure or then epilepsy down the line um yeah so there's a lot of different causes right um and so why do we bother um, putting patients into syndromes well epilepsy is very common there are different syndromes and people have a very different prognosis um based upon said syndrome so um, there are some people again that have like a genetic cause, so an idiopathic, idiopathic being a genetic cause, right? As opposed to those that will have you know structural, metabolic, inflammatory, or infectious issues, or other like brain disease, basically. Um, that's symptomatic, right? It's a symptomatic epilepsy. So you have idiopathic, which is genetically, um, which has a genetic pathogenesis. Um, that's symptomatic, which is a kind of a brain disease, you know what I mean? Or just body issues, right? But that leads to brain disease, and it's symptomatic. So different seizure types are typical for different epilepsy syndromes. So some have certain precipitating factors, um, like sleep deprivation, flickering lights, um, and the and the age of co- onset is is is... It's different for everybody. Some have um, associated central nervous system sing- symptoms and signs. Some may have very typical um, EG kind of um, graphs. Um, so all of these can be useful uh, to try to classify patients into a syndrome. And for the majority of patients, it works, right? Um, and sometimes, of course, there's plenty of there's plenty of patients that they just can't be kind of sorted into this clear cut. Um, clear-cut, you know, uh, syndrome. But it's definitely a useful, useful tool for the prognosis and treatment of of, of patients when they present. Um, so we can't go into all the many syndromes, but um, we can discuss some that uh, some common ones, some common epilepsy syndromes, which is kind of discussed in the course. So, um, for instance, you got febrile seizures. Um, a lot of um, young children, three months to five years usually, um, ha- do have seizures as part of a, a febrile illness, such as the flu and other fever-causing illnesses, so uh, like emphalocytis, or it's called, encephalocytis, right? Um, and fever is, is kind of the main cause. You usually get that in multiple-choice quizzes. If you're like, what is the cause of febrile seizures in children? And you just say fever, right? So remember that. Generally, this goes away, but if prolonged, they can lead to scarring, right? Um, for instance, um, mesial temporal sclerosis, and later on, that could lead to epilepsy, right? If you have sclerosis in your brain, you have kind of necrosis there, you have some scar tissue, um, that, that could definitely be a causal kind of factor. Um, another one is childhood absence seizures, right? That's another type of seizure, epilepsy syndrome, sorry. Um, the onset's usually at about five to seven years, so primary school students, right? 
And it can happen hundreds of times a day. And it's characterized by kind of blank stares, right? So you kind of, you think of that whole stereotype of a kid who's kind of like, you know, like zoned out. And often these kids won't even get diagnosed until very late because their parents just think they're kind of very fairy, you know, out of their, you know, up, head up in the trees. But um, actually they're having seizures, right? They're having, um, sorry, childhood absence seizures. But often it does get picked up by like teachers, right? They, they're very trained to kind of notice. They can kind of see, oh, that guy's definitely not just zoned out. He's like having a fucking seizure. Um, I just swore. Damn it. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's about it. It's a, it's a, it's a generalized tonic-clonic seizure. Um, well, it's, it's more of a generalized tonic seizure, I guess. Um... So, oh, no, 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 it's not. It's not at all. Forget that. It's not. It's definitely not a tonic clonic seizure. Sorry. Sorry. No, forget that. Um, and it has a very typical EEG finding with that kind of, um, I think it's like a, a, a three megahertz, three hertz. Um, look, I think we'll go into that later. So, um, one third of patients might develop. Oh, right. Okay. So, one third of childhood absence seizure patients might develop um, generalized tonic-clonic uh, seizures, right? Okay. So another one is juvenile myoclonic epilepsy, which is a common idiopathic generalized epilepsy. So it's genetic in origin, um, which begins in teens. They usually have three types of seizures. They have myoclonic, right? They have um, tonic-clonic, and they have absence seizures. Um, seizures um, soon after waking, right? They wake up, they're kind of, you know, shaking. Um, it's precipitated by sleep deprivation and it responds best to valproate. That's an important note. It's probably a multiple choice question. So it's responds best to valproate, um, uh, starts in teens and it's precipitated by sleep deprivation and it's lifelong. So that's with them for the rest of their lives, but they can be treated very effectively, I think. Um, another important aspect to consider are the psychosocial consequences of epilepsy, which are often a lot worse than the seizures themselves, right? There's a, there's a, there's a big stigma towards them, right? Um, it can really hamper your ability to make uh, relationships, right? I mean, so, so when I was talking about stigma, I mean, like, culturally in some places, it's, like, kind of looked down upon. It looks like you're, I don't know, you're possessed or you have, you have you're, you're, something's wrong with you, right? It's tough to make relations with that. And so... That carries on to relationships, right? It, it, it's tough to go on a, a date, for instance, if you think you might, you know, have a seizure midway through the dinner. It'd be kind of a... It would be a bit of a, um, a, a cock blocker. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it, it probably messes up your self... So we, we can mess up your self-esteem, you know, like, it's tough to be confident when you're having seizures all the time um, and you're probably pretty embarrassed about it. Um, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. Um, so, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, independence, right? So, like a lot of the time, these these kids with with or these even now adults, these 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 individuals with uh, uh, severe more severe types of epilepsy or just epilepsy in general, they'll get kind of like uh, overparented by their parents, right? They'll be kind of looked after too much, and they won't ever really have the independence because their parents kind of keep them at home they never leave the house and then in fact you can't drive right so um, if you've got like a more severe case and you know you, you, the treatments don't stop kind of seizures then uh, you you yeah you're not legally allowed to drive often so that kind of limits your mobility um and then it's tough to be employed if you're constantly having seizures right so um, there's a lot of yeah a lot of very big psychosocial consequences um when it comes to epilepsy and then there's also a lot of physical risks, right? I mean, outside of just kind of, you know, uh, 
um, uh, like the actual seizure, right? You have injuries, so like you, you could be having a seizure and you could, I don't know, fall and break a leg, or you can you could you could fall into a flame, burn yourself. Or you, if you had a seizure while you're cooking, you could you know burn yourself. You, if you had a seizure while you're swimming, you could drown. Um, then there's also the, a big risk uh, of status uh, epilepticus. And I'll go on to what that means in a second. And then, you know, sudden death, right? So that's a sudep. So a status epilepticus is a prolonged seizure, right? About, about five minutes plus, I think. Five minutes is kind of the cutoff, right? Um, and Or it's re- repeated seizures without recovery, right? And the causes of a status epilepticus, um, well, some of them are like stopping your, your epilepsy treatment. And so that's, that's, that's not that big a deal, I guess, because you kind of, you know, you get back um, onto it. Your, your doctor will just... You know, if you've forgotten to take it a couple of days in a row, uh, your doctor will, you know, pump up the doses, make sure you get them in your system. Um, obviously, uh, acute brain um, injury, right, is a big reason for stuff like this. And then metabolic disorders, right? Um, yeah. Um, it can cause a lot of brain damage, right? If, you, if you're not getting that oxygen, you can get pretty bad cerebral ischemia. Oh, sorry, hypoxia, um, and that's uh, not good, right? That can lead to necrosis. Well, it can lead to... It's just not good. <laughs> um, and death, yeah, die. You don't get enough oxygen. Um, another real risk is um, SUDEP, right? So sudden unexpected death and epilepsy. Um, the risk of dying from SUDEP is much higher if the epilepsy is untreated, right? Um, we think SUDEP is caused by post-ictal suppression of neuronal activity, um, which leads to central apnea. So, um, like, they stop breathing and then death, right? Um, so, in, gen- in the general population, the incidence is, like, 2 per 10,000 like people, uh, two per 10,000. And in the epileptic population, it's about 20 to 30 per 10,000. And within, within people that have frequent seizures, seizures, it's like 90 per 10,000, right, cases. Um, also, if they're male and uh, is another kind of risk factor, a bit more higher, a bit higher likelihood if you're a male. And having them at night, right, which is, I guess, which I guess has to do with, like, the position you're lying. So, I guess, like, if you're on a, if you're lying kind of face down on a pillow, you might strangle yourself or being rolled over in an awkward position. I don't know. A lot of different reasons you could, you could uh, die. Um, so, people who don't have medication, doctors will point to SUDEP as a reason why they should get on the medication, right? Like, they, they, you, it's not just the seizures, man. You can probably just, you could just die, right? And explain that this is like a real risk, right? Beyond just the general seizures, which they're already going through, I'm guessing. If they have, if they're on the treatment. So it's important um, for those around epileptics to know first aid, right? And so obviously you want to click the head and you want to turn the patient on their side. You want to wait, make sure their mouth is clear so they don't choke. To call the ambulance if it lasts more than five minutes, if you get that status, um, status epilepticus. And if another seizure occurs before they recover, right? Um, and it's a good good thing to do is to time it if you can. So you can kind of, you know, just to, just to, to relay to them and then to relay to, your, to, the, to their doctors, right? Um, so um, how do we diagnose then when, when a patient presents after a blackout seizure, for instance, you ask, you may ask. Um, well... <laughs> um, the most important tool is by far the history and then the examination and then some investigations you can do. So let's go through taking a history. So you want to know if the patient felt something before the blackout, 
during the patient um, would have no clue though and what they felt like afterwards. A witness can tell you what they what happened during the seizure. Uh, so you'd ask stuff like, uh, is there drooling, um, tongue biting, are they confused looking but awake, you know, the, 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 the facial color is changing, right? So they've gone like blue or pale, which could mean just a, you know, a faint. It could just mean they fainted. Um, and how much stiffness and jerking, right? Um, right, and then there, are may, there may be something in their past, like birth issues, There's like history, head injuries, a family history of seizures. Drug use can predispose as well, as we've previously mentioned, and driving and employment is important to talk about because... They will be. They will have to take a time off the road, right? For sure, regardless of the diagnosis with a blackout seizure, right? They're gonna have to not drive for a bit. Um, now, let's talk about the examination steps. So, in between seizures, people generally, you know, they seem well, and there's there's few issues, right, or signs. But in some people who have specific um, like causes, right, syndromes, often you might have find a sign. So take tuberous sclerosis which is a genetic condition kids in kids uh, when they present with this um, with these like facial angiofibrial marks we call these hypermelanotic macules they kind of help you to um, make the diagnosis uh, patients with sturge weber have so-called uh, port wine stains on their faces uh, which is typical for Serge Weber. They often have seizures, right? Uh, or it might just be sick patients with renal failure. So in a sick patient, you might have, see other signs that might help you find the reason for the seizures and why they're occurring, right? So symptomatic seizures, right? All patients which present get the same kind of routine blood investigations, right? So you you check for any metabolic derangement. Everyone gets an EEG and an MRI, and it, and, it, and and patients um, and if patients are, are febrile, they might need a lumbar puncture to kind of exclude the possibility of encephalitis, right? Um, so EEG is a very good test for epilepsy. Uh, generally, 21 scalp electrodes are placed on the head. Um, they use for about 20 minutes, and these. Um, these give a low false negative rate, but they do give up to like 50% false positives. Um, it helps you to know kind of what the syndrome is and how much imaging you need. For instance, the three hertz, that's, the, that's what I was talking about in terms of the blank um, seizures, right? For instance, the three hertz spike we often see in children is a very like kind of telling pattern. So everyone... Um, gets an MRI nowadays. It's much better um, than, an, uh, than a CT scan to look for a structural lesion, right? Um, say if you've got cortical dysplasia in a specific spot, then you can um, you could probably remove, right? Um, that could fix his epilepsy. But it's just good to kind of diagnose, right? To see if there's any structural lesions um, behind the epilepsy so a lot of people with epilepsy do very well in medication um are over the years more and more medications have come out onto the market and the list is really long which is a great because we can tailor the medication for the specific patients depending on so many factors that we take into account when choosing from this long list right and that being said, the chances of becoming seizure-free over the years haven't really improved despite all these new um, 
medications. So a, a third of patients won't even respond to medication, and those that and those are the ones that get referred to epilepsy centers, like the Prince of Wales one next to UNSW. What other options um, like resective surgery, VNS therapy can be explored for candidates. Uh, so candidates for resective surgery are those with focal lesions, right? You can't be all over the brain. Who have not responded to treatment, whose quality of life has been impaired, whose seizures must be originating from a defined area, the so-called epileptic... Ah, God. The epileptogenic zone. <laughs> um, and the area of the brain must be safely removable, right? You can't... If you take it out, you can't like, just... Now start running around it. If it's too deep in the brain, it can be kind of hard. Um, if all of this is in order, these surgeries can be life-changing, right? It can completely halt the seizures. Um, so let's say the, the, the patient continues to have spells. What are some differential diagnoses? Um, well, there's convulsive syncope uh, or there's pseudo-seizures, right? So pseudo-seizures is a very... Is a, is a psychiatric condition, right? It's a, it's a convulsion disorder. Some people have uh, spells with shaking and other various things occurring. And it's likely a stress reaction to something recent or in the past, like uh, sexual abuse is a big cause. And often these people, PTSD from the war, from, from, from war, <laughs> not from the war. And often these people set, um, get given medication when they don't really need that. They need a psychiatrist. And these kind of can often take a long time to diagnose, which is kind of annoying because then it becomes chronic right after a while. Uh, this actually has a big, uh, it's actually a big group of people, right? A lot of people present to, like, you know, UC epilepsy centers with just pseudo seizures. And so the main difference, uh, the, uh, the other main, uh, differential diagnosis is the, is convulsive syncope, right? So syncope is, uh, fainting, not enough blood flow to the brain. There's many reasons for it. So if this cerebral ischemia, which is what, you know, not enough blood flow is, cerebral ischemia, lasts for long, then people can jerk, right? And that's when you get cold convulsive syncope. And it's not necessarily, well, it's not an epileptic seizure, right? Um, and so the thing to do is to elevate the person's legs, right? To try to get as much blood flow as possible back to the brain. Um, so what happens during convulsive seizure is basically cortical ischemia. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a transient and it's it's transient. And it's mostly harmless and recovery is often quick. I think that's a big way to tell that it's not a epileptic seizure um, because often with epileptic seizure you get these you you're really tired afterwards, right? You're in post the seizure, you really you've gone through something. You know what I mean? Even if you don't remember it. Um, whilst if you faint, you kind of you're fine once you wake up. There's not any issues. Well, that covers the clinical aspects of epilepsy um and i think uh i'll end it there but i will continue on uh, in the next podcast looking at uh, epilepsy research some of the models and the techniques um, currently in use um yeah peace out bye